Three Amigos. They were the biggest stars of their day. The Three Amigos are history. But that was yesterday. Look, boys, I know showbiz. There's something always turns up. Telegram for the Three Amigos. So, uh, as of today, uh, we're recording this on August 31st, uh, as of today, Mike Richards has uh, not only been fired as the host of Jeopardy, which happened like a week ago, week and a half, maybe, um, he has been fired uh, from his role at Sony as executive producer of both Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, uh, which is, as someone on Twitter pointed out, it's weird that Wheel of Fortune has an executive producer, since it is... (laughs) the most low-maintenance show you could possibly imagine. I thought it was just Vanna White just did it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it, it, who among us has not uh, <laughs> attempted to rig a game show selection process so that you end up choosing yourself as the host over, like, 20 far more well-known uh, candidates <laughs> And then uh, jeopardize your own job by uh, having someone remember that you recorded a podcast with 41 episodes, which, by the way, we've recorded more than that, with 41 episodes uh, where you just felt a need to air your very specific views on women, homeless people, and the Jews. You know what's really funny is that sometimes I think about the future and the level of success that I'm like going for and I'm like I'm gonna have to have these episodes deleted yeah there are certain I mean uh, uh, there are certain episodes we're gonna have to delete there are ones we should promote more I think yeah 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 yeah, for sure for sure but there's somewhere I'm like mm, that's, cool. that's questionable yeah at this point <laughs> so so I understand I understand his plight a little bit but I'm not a horrible misogynist yeah but I I get it yeah. So you heard it here first, folks. Nadia stands with Mike Richards. No! They're picking up the bodies on TV. When I caught a reflection of you and me. Staring back at us while frozen on the screen. Crack the white noise and pretend that we're asleep. We're asleep. Dream, 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 dream. Welcome, or bienvenido, to Probably Should Have Known Better. <laughs> Celebrating comedy that is aged very poorly. Or, celebrando la comedia queja envejecido muy mal. Uh, my name is Tony Ginocchio, uh, and uh, I am joined, as always, uh, by my wonderful co-host, uh, my dear friend, whom I-, I love dearly, who knows uh, more Spanish than I do, I would say, and uh, definitely more Spanish than any of the three leads of our film today. <laughs> it's Nadia Vasquez. Hola! <laughs> okay. It sounds so disingenuous, because I... <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't feel good about it. I don't feel good about it. <laughs> um, so we got a real weird one for you today, folks. <laughs> yeah, we do. As, uh, as, as we have been covering uh, all of these uh, SNL films this season, we actually are going to uh, a different Lorne Michaels production. And in fact, 
one of the only, if not the only movie for which Lorne Michaels has a screenwriting credit. Yeah. <laughs> and that is Three Amigos from 1986, directed by John Landis, uh, starring former Saturday Night Live cast member Chevy Chase, uh, current, when the movie came out, Saturday Night Live cast member Martin Short, or maybe he was on the season before, but it was right around that time, and then guy who was not on SNL but hosted it all the time, uh, Steve Martin. Uh, Can I just say, yes. 1980, 1980s, Steve Martin can get it. He, I mean, it, it, it's it's interesting to think about how how big all three of these guys were as box office draws. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. But when I was watching, because I, but you're I saying you were horny. I was horny for Steve Martin. <laughs> I wa- I would watch this movie as a kid. Mm-hmm. This is one of the most quoted movies in my household oh really my mom my mom says son of a motherless goat when she's exasperated like we say you stupid horse all the time like it's just a part of the vasquez lexicon Mm. and very weird to watch it as an adult after many many years of not seeing it and being like oh fuck steve martin's hot (laughs) (laughs) i didn't think so back then because he seemed very old because you know his hair was gray yeah yeah but mm, wow yeah you know, Steve Martin, at this point, so basically before 1980, I would say Steve Martin was probably like the single most successful stand-up comedian in history. Like, right. just, he he had already like basically retired from stand-up at this point after like filling fucking stadiums over and yeah. over. Incredible. Uh, yeah. And and also doing magic. And do and like playing the banjo and doing magic and stuff. Famously would wear a white suit when he performed stand up because if he's doing comedy in a football stadium, that's the way that people could see him. Like Right. So yeah. he he a massive, massive star. Chevy Chase was also a massive, massive star in nineteen eighty six. He had already done National Lampoon's Vacation. I think he had already Ugh. done Fletch. Like he, he I think Funny Farm was done by then, which yeah. is another Vasquez uh favorite. Uh, Funny Farm and the Vacation movie is again yeah. quoted quite a bit. I think my dad is the Chevy Chase fan. Okay. Uh Foul Play with Goldie Hawn uh would have been in the late 70s too um, yeah. which was a huge hit um caddyshack he already did caddyshack at this point um and uh and then martin short uh had done a ton of stuff in canada including sctv uh mm-hmm. and right around this point he was on snl or he had just left snl but he was also a household name um so we have those three names and then we have three names on the screenplay which are real <laughs> fucking weird uh, it's Steve Martin is one of the credited screenwriters. Lorne Michaels, who um, who doesn't write movies, like no. he he is a credited writer, I believe, in every season of SNL uh, that he worked on. But um, this is maybe his only feature where he has a screenwriter credit. Um, and then, it's not a bad one. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you got to pick one, I mean, it's better than Stewart Saves His Family. <laughs> and then the third credited screenwriter, and I can guarantee you it's his only screenwriting credit, is Randy Newman. The Well, he, he hadn't uh, written Toy Story yet, so yeah. he needed the money. <laughs> but Randy Newman, you know, a celebrated American singer-songwriter, had already put out many great satirical albums and then would later go on to get nominated for like 80 Oscars for his work with Disney and Pixar. <laughs> and uh, and he fucking uh, wrote co-wrote 
this movie wrote all the songs for it and it's a really fucking weird movie there's, it's very weird there's points where i was like this is dumb and they clearly wrote the script in five minutes and then there's points where i was like or is this secretly brilliant and then there's points where i'm like clearly they were all stoned out of their minds <laughs> Yeah, possibly. It does. It did seem like a marijuana movie versus a cocaine movie. I agree. Yes. Yeah. Singing, yeah, singing sure. Bush is a marijuana joke. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and it doesn't have the manic energy of you know a Blues Brothers. Right. The horses singing is a marijuana <laughs> joke. That is not a cocaine <laughs> joke. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but what, so Nadia, what would we, it, it, talk me through the plot of this film, and if, if folks, if you've seen The Magnificent Seven or A Bug's Life, it's a very, <laughs> very similar story to either of those films. Yeah, so the Three Amigos are actually movie stars, but in Mexico, uh, there's just some strife going on. There's this guy na- named El Wapo. El Wapo. And El Wapo. He's not hot, which is what his name means. Um, but it means the handsome man. And he is, you know, wreaking havoc among the Mexican villages. And uh, But again, the people who live there don't know that the Three Amigos are movie stars and think that they're actual heroes at, when they watch the movies. So a woman named Carmen sees a movie, says the Three Amigos are going to be the ones that are going to save us from El Guapo. She sends a telegram but can't afford all the words. So there is a miscommunication. <laughs> And and so the three amigos get uh, fired from their contract. This is back in this the is set stu- in nineteen sixteen. Yeah, set, so it's so it, they have a studio contract. Yeah, studio era. It's very weird that this is a period piece. Very weird because also like the houses are clearly from like nineteen sixties. Yeah. I don't know. Let's not talk about that. Yeah. But uh, the three amigos they they want to make more money but the studio says no and fires them but they get the telegram and they're like oh we can make a whole lot of money doing a show in mexico they've offered us a hundred thousand pesos which again there was a miscommunication (laughs) because they couldn't afford all the words um so they go down and put on this show but are actually in deep mortal peril (laughs) but through their skills as movie stars and stuntmen they are able to save the village from El Wapo and all of his wily Mexican henchmen. Uh, and I don't feel too great about <laughs> <laughs> the white savior message here, but it's funny. There's a lot of music. Uh, the costuming is great. But, you know, there's plenty to talk about. I, I like... You know, it's inter- so Steve Martin's like basically the straight man. Um, Chevy Chase is the dumb guy. He's a very good dumb guy, I think. Yeah, not a, I wouldn't say a himbo though. No, just a just a dullard. Um, yes, and then uh, Martin Short uh, is also kind of on the side of being a dumb guy, but he's also he's also the little pipsqueak who's got like a heart of gold and and is courageous enough to suggest that they actually save the town once they realize it's not a gig. Um, right. So, you know, you get, I mean, you put Steve Martin and Martin Short together in a movie uh, and Chevy Chase, it's, too. It's gonna yeah, be, it's gold. They're going to be, they're going to find something that works. Um, 
Even yeah, Steve, I mean, even now, even now. They, have that, they have that new Hulu thing, but they replaced Chevy, Chevy Chase with Selena, Go- <laughs> Selena Gomez. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was gonna, I was like, oh, we got to talk about the show where they didn't want to work with Chevy anymore, so they got the natural Chevy Chase replacement. <laughs> Selena, Selena Gomez. Selena Gomez. Uh, I, I, that's actually out today, so I'm going to watch that later. But... Um, I think it's a it's a great combination of three really great actors slash comedians. Yes. But I don't think they tapped into each of their potential enough. But no. it still worked. Well, Steve Martin, you know, <clears throat> especially as a stand-up, did a ton of physical comedy. And he did a ton of, like, just non-sequitur, absurdist stuff. And here he's a straight man. Um, you know, uh, Martin Short has a certain manic energy to him when he's at his best and, uh, or when he's playing the vaguely Eastern European wedding planner in Father of the Bride, (laughs) uh, which is my favorite role. Me too. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, but he's kind of more restrained here. Chevy Chase, uh, playing a dumb guy. I'm all for that. Uh, Yeah. You know, a little Chevy Chase goes a long way and I feel like this was a really good amount. I think this was the perfect amount. We'll talk about uh, what happened to him later. Uh, so, um, <laughs> but the other thing is, you know, we're talking about people who uh, not only were were very big movie stars when this movie came out, but before they were big movie stars, they were all kind of instrumental in the early days of SNL and, and in the early days of sketch comedy. So I'm interested to hear, Nadia, about the history of kind of the er- this, these earlier periods of SNL. Well, this movie came out in the middle of season 12. They had uh, Steve, Martin, and Chevy, because we're on first name basis. They had those three dudes come and host only, with Randy. Only time they uh, they had three hosts, I believe. Yes, the only yes. time. And they had Randy Newman as the musical guest that episode, which is unsurprising. Uh, but they, it was the middle of season 12. There were, I wouldn't say it was a super heavy cast um it was fine we had dana carvey who mm-hmm. was one of his earlier seasons nora dunn phil hartman may he rest, rest in, in peace. peace jan hooks victoria jackson john lovitz who also makes an appearance in this movie with phil hartman and dennis miller was the weekend update host uh, at that time the featured <laughs> i know the featured players we only had two featured players this season it was uh, a whitney brown and kevin nealon oh, and okay. um Lorne is credited as a writer on this season, mm-hmm. which uh, it doesn't happen super often. It does obviously in like the earlier seasons, yeah. but uh, for the most part, he is usually uncredited because he just kind of sits around and does cocaine. I'm sure. I mean, I don't know. Um, but I'll, let me let me tell you about the hosts this season uh, again absolutely obvious what year this came out. Always can date a season of SNL. It's... I I would love to have seen this. I wasn't born yet. It's fine. So the hosts included Sigourney Weaver, Malcolm Jamal Warner. Nice. Yeah, Robin Williams. Awesome. Of course, Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, and Martin Short. Uh, Steve Gutenberg. (laughs) This the second time he's hosted, uh, William Shatner and Gary Shandling. Okay. And in that uh, that episode with Gary Shandling, he broke the fourth wall so often in almost every sketch because of the Larry because Sanders of show. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That people got really annoyed and wrote in to NBC about it. 
which I think is really funny. Um, the musical guests included Run DMC, <laughs> Lou Reed, Paul Simon, Randy Newman again, uh, The Pretenders, Debbie Harry, Los Lobos, and Roy Orbison. Hey, all right. I just Very lo- 80s. I just love, you know, the Larry Sanders show especially was like kind of one of the, the first steps into like more sophisticated meta comedy on television. Yes. And I just, mm-hmm. like, the second SNL flirts with that idea, the viewers are like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, they didn't like that. <laughs> but this was one of the rare times a season of Saturday Night Live, for the most part, had no real scandal happening. Oh. The The network was fine with what they were doing. Uh, the cast was fine. This was, like, a very average season when the uh three amigos guys came to visit though and hosted the to host chevy chase did have to acknowledge the fact that he had gone to rehab that year because it was one of the biggest stories yes. of the year and so he did poke fun at himself but other than that it was a very scandalous less uh season <laughs> i would say i would say it's on the verge of being pretty boring okay Okay. Well, that's kind of a relief because I would say this movie, I don't know if boring's the word I'd use, but it's like, I, I'm in your boat, Nadia. I saw that, like, this was on TV a lot as a kid. Yeah. And my dad would be like, oh, Three Amigos is on. We can watch this to the end. Um, but it's it's been at least 20 years since I've seen this movie. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and seeing it again, I'm like, huh, this is this is real weird. It's weird that it's a period piece. <laughs> it's yes. weird. And, and, and like... There's a scene. The musical set pieces are weird. The musical set pieces are extremely weird. The singing bush and the invisible swordsman, while funny, comes out of fucking nowhere. Um, <laughs> and and then the the one scene that I keep thinking of is uh, it's the first time they meet El Wapo, right? El, uh-huh. El, El Wapo. And they, uh, I'm going to butcher a lot of It's okay. Today. I like that you're trying. Um I did write out the intro in Spanish using Google Translate, and then I'm like, I'm not going to do the whole thing. Um, so, I wish you had. Could we redo it? Uh, maybe we'll punch it in later. But um, <laughs> the, you know, there's a scene. They meet El Huapo for the first time, and you know, they do the same thing that they think they have to do for the gig, which is they ride around in circles on their horses and go ay 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 ay, and you get like a close-up of Steve Martin doing that, you know, wearing a big, goofy sombrero. And you're like, this movie's so fucking stupid. Why am I watching this? And then El Guapo leans over to uh, one of his henchmen. He's like, these are funny guys. Just kill one of them. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, that's actually a very good line. (laughs) I'm like, wait, is this movie secretly... Like, is it a, an underhanded satire? Is it... And and I'm not sure. And then I saw The Singing Bush and The Invisible Swordsman. I'm like, oh, maybe they were just uh, stoned out of their minds. <laughs> yeah. I think it was kind of a tribute to the Westerns, possibly. Maybe. It's definitely not a Blazing Saddles type <laughs> level of uh satire it's not it's not a joke machine there's definitely more investment in story than there is for uh for blazing saddles Um, yeah but even then that's a little loose yeah (laughs) but even then uh it's a little loose but again you know with these three actors kind of all in in uh, a very comfortable place in their career like there's definitely plenty of fun moments 
Um, and it is an hour and 45 minutes, which is a tad longer than most of the movies we have watched uh, this season, but shorter than Kanye West's album. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's fine. I was, I was a little like, oh, this one's a little longer. A little longer but uh, I, I think it. I, it didn't decide if it was a Western, a comedy, or a musical, and I think that probably had a little bit to do with the runtime. Yeah. I thought the, the musical numbers were a little long. Yes. My Little Buttercup is too long. No, um, that was the only one that was perfect. That was the only one you liked? Okay. <laughs> what about the Blue Shadows, uh, the the Singing Horses one? Um, It was fine. Okay. I think, the, I think um, when it comes down to song comedy musical comedy (laughs) look at the lonely island for the most part their songs are under three minutes yes under three minutes under three minutes and they cut it to like 45 seconds for the movie right right and i think that that is smart because uh, they do have a scene where they sing around the campfire and a bunch of animals come to watch them and it's very long and I think if they condensed it a little bit, like the comedy of, oh, we're singing and these animals are coming to check us out would have been a little, it would have punched a little more. But I mean, what am I going to go back in time? I was I was a fetus. I wasn't even a fetus. I was an angel in heaven <laughs> waiting to come down on the stork. Like, I- <laughs> so that's a very, a lot of complicated theological rebuttals I kind of want to make here. But <laughs> instead of... <laughs> It's not doing that. Uh, I mean, we've kind of covered, I think, most of what happens in the film already. But to talk in a little more detail, I do want to talk about Carmen and the citizens of Santa Poco not understanding uh, how narrative film works. (laughs) It's um, insulting. But I want to say it's 1916. Yeah. So so you said they were... It's all about accessibility. Yes. You said they were movie stars, and they're silent movie stars. That's that's part of it. Um, Correct. And so this would have been a time when perhaps if Carmen had walked in and they were showing the movie where the train comes at the screen, she would have been yeah. like, oh, no, there's a train coming at me, right? And then and then dived right. out of the theater. Um so, I mean, that's basically the opening scene, essentially, is uh, Carmen wandering into this movie theater and seeing a kind of stock Western Three Amigos silent film um, where they, you know, fire their guns in the air and chase off the banditos and they refuse the big <laughs> bag with the dollar sign on it because their reward is that justice has been done. Um, right and, and they have really great makeup on the, yeah that was funny the the have the like pancake layer studio makeup on them is, is really very, funny their nice lips touch. were their <laughs> lips were very clearly painted a dark color yeah. uh the, the, the i do appreciate that they didn't do some sort of weird brown face on the three amigos i mean that's the that's the question right <laughs> It's like, first of all, if they had done a weird brown face, this would have been the first movie we covered like, <laughs> in, 20, in 2018. Like, right, exactly. Episode one. Episode Not one. what women want. Not three women, amigos. Women, three amigos. Like, and, and I have, like, it's weird that they're amigos and that they're, you know, just, like you said, it's like a weird white savior story. And in my head, I'm like, but that's way better <laughs> than some of the alternatives. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And and I, I give them a pass because they're 
this is a classic movie and they this was very obviously they didn't know any better right versus probably should have known better it just they just didn't <laughs> right so it's fine it's this fine. It, it, and it, it's a it's great it's a fine movie so and it, it actually is really funny they could have gone absolutely the whole other direction and they didn't and it was still appreciative of the genre of like uh, uh magnificent seven types yeah right exactly yeah. Um, and, and it is, you know, so I guess we give, so out of the gate, we're going to give this movie a, a good grade for being not horrifying. Yes, and, exactly. Uh, so, uh, basically she, uh, sees the movie, she sends off a telegram, dear three amigos for being terrorized by El Guapo, we need you to come in and drive him off and we'll pay you a hundred thousand pesos. Um, and of course the, the telegram man is like, oh yeah, well you can't pay for the whole thing here, I'll scratch out. <laughs> parts yeah so it like the way that he butchers the telegram is like three amigos come here put on show el guapo hundred thousand pesos or something like yeah right and they call he calls uh el guapo the infamous and they don't know what that means yeah so that's the other uh character choice that we've made here which is not always the best choice to make but uh all three of the uh three amigos who by the way the character names are ned niederlander lucky day and dusty bottoms dusty Uh, ray bottoms is the name of a drag queen nice from from uh the rupaul's drag race franchise slash a performer uh love that name (laughs) and love uh, that name and the choice they've made in the script is that all three of them are fucking idiots Yes, they're really stupid, but they are passionate about what they do. They're very talented, as we see as time goes on. But they also are shit out of luck because they got a little too selfish. (laughs) They And you know what? It's kind of a tragedy because they were trying to collectively bargain. uh, But in the studio system uh, of the 1910s, that did not fucking work. So (laughs) the studio boss, who is Joe Mantegna, Italian ex-hero... Uh, uh, bad guy in Baby's Day Out, which will probably be a future podcast selection someday. Oh, God. Um, uh, it fires them, right? Uh, Phil Hartman and John Lovitz have a brief cameo here as other studio execs. So they're out on their ass. They're, like, in their shirt sleeves out on the lot at Warner because, or, well, it would be Paramount, out of, out of the lot at Paramount because they had to, like, give their clothes back. Because the studio... They lived at a house owned by the studio. Everything they had was owned by the studio, so they're just completely shit out of luck. Yeah, I would have loved to have gone a little more in detail about that because, you know, that (laughs) coupled with the stuff about Judy Garland, like, I want to know about the studio system a little more, but we can't touch on that in this white savior story. Yeah, a little too dark for the Three Amigos episode. (laughs) But anyway, they uh, are really excited because they can finally be financially independent Yes, if they do this gig. So they're like, oh, well, we just got to go down to Santa poco in mexico we're gonna get a hundred thousand pesos that sounds awesome um so they and and this guy el guapo is in famous that's even more than famous which is (laughs) stupid um it's very stupid so so we cut to santa poco and in the bar basically there are guys who are actually coming to see el guapo to sell him guns right um and so they come in the so like 
El Guapo sends a messenger that's like, hey, there's some guys coming to find El Guapo. You'll know who they are, and their badasses don't fuck with them. And then the three amigos walk in the door next. Right. Well, the the thing that's important to acknowledge is that those guys are German. Yes. And so, a.k.a. white. And so when the three amigos come in and they're white, they're like, oh, these must be the guys. Yes. And so that's why it's all very confusing. So... Again, these are three actors, they're airheads, and they go up to the bar and they're like, well, as long as we're waiting here for El Guapo, uh, I'll have a beer. And the bartender's like, we don't have beer, we have tequila. And there's, <laughs> there's a good line, oh, I've never heard of tequila, what is it? And the bartender's like, eh, it's like beer. And he's like, is it fattening? He's like, what? <laughs> um, so they all do shots of tequila, and uh, it's uh, horrifying for them. And everyone in the bar is scared shitless of them, uh, even though they're completely harmless and they're actors. Right, and so they they want to kind of warm up the crowd because obviously they're very cold. They're like, "What? Why are people reacting this way?" So they're like, "Let's put on like a preview of what we can do." So. And so, <laughs> so they send they send Dusty Bottoms to the piano, and they start. They do a duet, which is one of, I think, the best parts of the movie is they sing My Little Buttercup. Which is a Randy Newman original. I did not know that. Uh. Yeah, and uh, they they do a whole song and dance, like, and they start asking the, the audience to participate in a very, like, welcoming, jolly way, but everyone is so scared. Like, just the, just the, I'm sorry, I can't think of a better way to say this off the top of my head, the pussiest song and dance. <laughs> my little buttercup has the sweetest smile. You know, they're waving their hands back and forth. They're, they're doing trust falls yes. with each other. Yeah. So it's hilarious. And they're doing this all dressed in their fucking Three Amigos costumes, which they stole from <laughs> from the studio uh which are which are like these just over the top embroidered um sombreros and uh jackets and big cummerbunds and like it, they look ridiculous and everybody's just watching terrified of them as they do it is a pretty good scene i really like this is one of my favorite scenes in the whole thing because this movie is very long <laughs> Um, but eventually, you know, they they finish their song and dance and everyone is still super, super terrified, just staring at them in silence. And they're like, wow, what a tough crowd. We got to go find, you know, where we need to be because we're not being appreciated. Yeah. And they finally run into Carmen, who is the woman who called them in the first place. Yes. And there is a moment where she's like me and she had the hmm, Steve Martin. <laughs> Horny get for it. Steve Martin. Yeah. It, it's interesting because each of the amigos, as we'll learn, will have a different person horny for them. Uh, yes. You think Martin Short doesn't, but just wait. Uh, just wait. She's the hottest she's of the them She's the hottest all. one. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, so basically, they, uh, they Carmen meets them. Um, they still think it's a gig. They haven't figured it out yet because they're extremely dense. Um, <laughs> one of the little boys runs up to them and he's like three amigos you're here can i have your watch when you are dead <laughs> yeah nobody has a whole lot of faith in yeah. i mean we don't really know what el wapo is like right you know, we haven't we, seen him yet we haven't we've only heard about him he's infamous right so we, we don't really know what the whole deal is but everybody seems to be super afraid of just the business around him yes that i'm only assuming and i don't even remember i didn't remember what this dude like even looked like 
But then, you know, when we see him, it's like he's not hot, he's but not whatever. Hot. No. Steve, Steve Martin's hotter. Chevy Chase is hotter. Hell, Martin Short's hotter than this guy. Yeah, Martin Short's a good-looking guy. Huh. So, he was. So, um, <laughs> they get taken to the tiny village, and they everybody's so excited Welcome that they're with there. open arms. And they start just to feed them and, uh, like, put them up in this, like, really nice villa-looking place. But the, <laughs> Chevy Chase can't make a taco with the tortillas everything keeps falling out and he's just like do you guys have anything other than mexican food and i really like that that was a good line and i you know i don't know why but i really like that all three of them sleep in one big bed (laughs) (laughs) nothing funnier than three grown men in a tiny bed like the grandparents and charlie and the chocolate factory (laughs) yeah but they didn't do the thing where they were like toe to head toe to head they They, like (laughs) Straight up. All just like three hot dogs in a roll. In a, in a row. Like, <laughs> um, Little hot dog men. And the other thing, and uh, okay, I'm I'm coming around. I, I'm starting to think this movie's actually good. But like. The, oh, good. The, the scene where they're like, what are you going to do with your with your share of the 100,000 pesos? And it was like, <laughs> it, I, I, I think like Steve Martin said he was going to. He wants like, a car. A, new, a shiny he's gonna get a silver car. car. And Chevy Chase was going to buy a new house or something. He and was going to go to Paris Short... and drink a lot of champagne. That's right. And then Martin Short says, I'm going to start a foundation for homeless children. And Steve Martin and Chevy Chase immediately are like, uh, yes, that was, uh, I was thinking that too. I was, I was going to get the car after, <laughs> after the foundation. Yes, that was my inclination as well. I love it. It's so stupid. And I love that Martin Short is so understatedly the good heart of gold guy. Yeah, he's the moral one. Yeah. He's the moral one. And and it's just, it's so subtle and sweet. I don't think anybody could have pulled that off but him. It was just, it's really, really great. Uh, But, you know, the action's got to start at some point, right? Yes. And so uh, we discover that some banditos are coming yes so kind of an advanced guard uh from el Wapo, and uh it's it's basically like they they ride up there's like three of them um there's not that many and so uh chevy steve and martin like are complaining because they have to get up early to deal with this (laughs) (laughs) we gotta put on their costumes the whole thing so they they ride out and basically uh they they treat it like a show so they ride around in a big circle they fire they're using blanks right in their guns right and they, they're doing horse choreography right they fire their guns in the air they go ay, 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 which i feel is problematic uh, it's not great it's <laughs> not great like i said don't feel too good about it um and uh but the basically El Guapo's men are just so fucking weirded out by this like and that is part of what makes it a little less bad for me is like you see the reaction from the men yes. and they're just all like what the fuck are these guys doing yeah they're super confused yeah. they have no they, obviously they've never seen a movie so they're like, you know, they're not like, oh, my God, these are celebrity guys. They're like, there's just something weird happening. and We need to tell El Wapo right away. So I guess the question is, did Mexico, when did Mexico have movies? Like when? That's, that should have been covered in my former current event tonight. That's where I failed. <laughs> was it after, uh, was it 1916? Uh, let's see. Hold on. When were movies? When did Mexico get movies? Hang on. Mexico. 
When did Mexico get independence? That's not where... Okay, so the studio system didn't uh, begin in Mexico until, like, the 40s. Yeah. And basically, during the 20s, most... Okay, so, okay, so in 1916, actually, we're still in the Mexican Revolution. So, yeah. probably not a ton of movies. Probably not a ton of leisure time. Yeah, okay. Fine. Now I, now I feel like a real fucking asshole. Um, no, but I did, it did kind of seem familiar because uh, in my family, there is a lot of history around Pancho Villa, mm-hmm. and El Wapo kind of matches those stories okay a lot of people see him as a hero but he actually really wasn't a hero and he did a lot of really terrible things um so there were a lot of parallels for me with like the personal history so i understood that but nobody would really know that right unless they were like part of the that history but for the most part what we can understand is these people did not have movies (laughs) to the point where they thought that movie stars were actual real like vigilantes yes so they ride away Three amigos chase them off. Villager. And everybody's so excited. Cheers. We're going to throw a party tonight. Hell um, yeah. Also, in it may have happened in the previous scene, but I want to make sure I cover it because it's maybe my favorite line in the movie is when two of the, uh, Carmen and another woman are washing, washing clothes or whatever. And they're like, which one's your favorite? And she's like, oh, I like the one who is uh, not so smart. And Carmen's like, yeah, which, which one is that? <laughs> which it's so great. It's so great. Um, the other part of the movie that I feel is very interesting is the way that they write women. Oh, you mean how they give them so much to do? They give them so much to do, like cleaning and pining. Being captured. Being horny. Being captured, being horny. Um, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, uh, kind, of a, kind, of a, kind of a miss there. Kind of a miss. It's okay. I'm not blaming Steve Martin for that. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say that was say a Lauren. Gonna say that's a Lauren decision. <laughs> it's a Lauren decision. But um, the, okay. So they they succeed, and there's gonna be a whole party. I don't know how accurate it is to like a Mexican celebration. <laughs> this might be you know kind of a generalization of what Mexican people do. It's a lot of dancing, a lot of big skirts, a lot of yeah. like fireworks. Right. That kind of thing. It is, I think, a very accurate representation of what a white person thinks a party in 1910s Mexico would look like. Yeah, 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 for sure. This kind of reminded me of, like, a themed frat party. Yeah. It's like, guys, if you've been on the Three Caballeros ride at Epcot, uh, (laughs) it kind of feels like that. It's a little bit like that. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, but they're, they're having a great time. But the funny thing is, is that these people still don't know that these guys are just actors. Most of the stories they're telling them are about, like, how they were discovered yeah. by actors yes. and things yes. like that. And they have no idea what's happening. Yeah. So uh, nobody's piecing it together. And part of that is just because all three of the Amigos are idiots. Like, there's yeah. this, this scene where, again, it's, it's a, kind of a groaner, but also kind of funny, where, like, this woman is clearly horny for Chevy Chase. <laughs> and she's asking uh, him to go for a walk with her. And she says, you could kiss me on the veranda. And Chevy's like, uh, lips would be fine. I loved that joke. <laughs> I didn't get that as a kid, and right. seeing that again was really great. Yeah, that one's for the parents, folks. That one's for the parents. Um, but the the next day, <laughs> we're woken up by the bell of the church, which they don't like. They, they, they say next time they come, they want to stay somewhere else. But the problem is, El Wapo's coming. Yes. And he says he's bringing 50 men, but I, I would say there's like 20 
Yeah, I mean, it's you gotta find extras who can ride horses. Like it, it like Not that's tough. Yeah. Not a lot. Um, but we also get to meet El Jefe, which is El Wapo's uh, like right hand man, which is the dad from Ugly Betty. I was about to say this guy is like a guy. This guy's done stuff. Yeah, this guy's done stuff. He was the dad from Ugly Betty. He's in a bunch of other stuff. I also think he's yeah. Cuban. In real uh, life, yeah, you may be right. Yeah, but you know, this what was it? The eighties. 86, there was just brown. <laughs> yeah. So he, that, was the, that was the only type. He, he might be Cuban or Puerto Rican. I'm not sure. I didn't do my research, but he's definitely not Mexican. Um, but like Tony said, you got to take what you can get at this point. But uh, th- that guy's not great. Yeah. He's, he's all about taking what's yours. Yeah. And we will talk about that soon. But El Wapo shows up and he, like, really wants to see who these guys are that, yeah. like, ran his banditos out. Love and then, uh, everything about this scene. This scene is just so good. <laughs> they ride up and Steve Martin just leans into El Wapo and is like, it's an honor to work with you. <laughs> I, have a, I have a question. Yeah. So th- I these, these uh, action scenes where the big stuff happens – for the most part, I would say are pretty funny, but the, I feel like the smaller in-between scenes are actually where the like meaty where, parts of the where, comedy where are. the magic happens. Yeah, yeah, I really do think so. I mean, it's like most action comedies; it's just like the best lines are gonna be in the in-between moments. I, I think that yeah. makes sense. Um, yeah, but I didn't know if that made if that uh, kind of took away from the kind of like specialness of it all. No, I th- I mean, I think I think we're both in the same place on this film which is that we we generally liked it there's pro- yeah. there's probably room for a few cuts <laughs> right. uh, uh but um you know but i wasn't there i was in the sky right <laughs> but steve martin leaning in and saying it's an honor to work with you to this like crime lord that's there <laughs> yeah. to kill him but steve martin thinks it's a stage show is it's very great. funny it's very great. But and, and El Wapo again is really into this. He thinks they're very funny. They do a whole speech. Yes. They each get a line, which they do for the banditos earlier, and Steve uh, uh, Martin Short kind of misses. He flubs his line. Yeah. He flubs a little bit. But they do it perfectly this time. They each have their little speech, and El Wapo is like uh, having a giggle fit. Because he, he, he just thinks he it's loves it. Hilarious. And he's and then they you know ride around on their horses and El Guapo was like okay only kill one of them yeah and then Steve Martin gets shot in the arm and then we never talk about it again yeah, that's true yeah it seems to recover miraculously fast um, gets shot in the arm and he's like what the hell uh, you guys aren't using blanks and he goes he grabs a guy's gun and he's like these are real bullets and then it hits him yeah the in Spanish the phrase is se cayó la canica which is the marble dropped. And that's like the moment where everything kind of changes. And he runs up to the other guys and he's like, this is real. This is real. They're going to kill us. These men are here to kill us. And then all three of them immediately burst into tears. <laughs> it's such a good thing. And and Steve Martin's like, no, no, no. I'm just going to go up to him. I'm going to talk to him man to man. And it's going to be fine. So they all go up to him and they're like, hey, we're actors. We're movie stars. We don't. We don't want you to kill us. There's nothing that you can do for us. So, like, we're going to take off. Yeah. 
And and unfortunately, this sets off a horrifying scene where El Wapo says, well, Santo Poco is not under our protection anymore. We're going to destroy it. We're going to raid the village, and, yeah. Oh, super sad. People are getting knocked over by the horses. The horses are falling. And, and worst of all, everyone, especially Carmen, feels betrayed, right? Yes, of course. And they're getting, their church gets bombed by a TNT, like old timey. <laughs> Uh, dynamite sticks and their houses get exploded. It's all very sad. A little too long of a scene. I don't really like to watch people suffer in that way in a comedy. Especially in a fucking Steve Martin, Martin Short, Chevy Chase comedy. Yeah. Could... Now you, it made me think about how we just saw Steve Martin in Bringing Down the House. Yeah, Steve Martin's made some bad choices before. Like, he has, uh, yeah, but this was good. This was a good one. This, well, this so, is better than Bringing Down the House, I can say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, okay, so th- we have a very, a too long scene of the entire village being destroyed and the three amigos running away. Super, super sad. Everybody's upset. But the worst part is Carmen gets kidnapped. Yes, um, and taken to El Guapo's basically compound. Yeah, um, she gets Princess Peached. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so basically, like, it's over. Village is destroyed. These people are all displaced. Uh, Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, uh, they're like, there's nothing left for us. Let's go back to fucking California. But Martin Short isn't with them. No. <laughs> and so they turn and they see Martin Short and he's loading his gun back up. And he's like, why would we go back to Hollywood? There's nothing for us in Hollywood. We don't have a home. We don't have jobs. And these people think we betrayed us. So maybe we should stick around and actually try to help them. And they are like, okay, that's actually a really good idea. And they also find out that Carmen's been kidnapped. Mm -hmm. And since she is the apple of Steve Martin's eye, (laughs) he decides that he wants to save her. Yes. So they are going to make up for the wrongs that they did. Because... The three amigos stand for justice. Yes. And they, they fucked up. Wherever there is injustice, you will find them. Yeah. Uh, Doesn't sound great. So they will, yeah. So uh, so they basically ride out to, they, they, I don't even remember how they got them, but they get like the directions to El Guapo's compound. And they yeah. ride, they ride to towards his compound. They got a camp for the night. And that's where we get our next musical number. Yeah, so they the there is a scene where they they ride away, but in my head I'm like, do they know where they're going? And they address this at the campsite, okay. and they're like, how how far did we get before we had to turn around and get directions? <laughs> Which I thought was very funny. That is actually and, a funny line. There are some very funny choices that are made. Yes, here. it's all and the good the good stuff is all the throwaway stuff, yeah. and they and they're so committed and uh, honest. It's really really great. I I don't for one minute think they're winking at the camera at any t- point. Yeah. which is it, for a silly movie, I think that's. And, Ch- really and Chevy great. Chase, especially, who I think is a guy where there's a strong temptation to wink at the camera. Uh, yes. Yeah, I don't think he's doing it here either, and, and I no. commend him for that. I have several other great. things I would like to criticize him for, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> we'll get to that. But uh, so then we get to one of the longer scenes, at which point I started to get a snack. Yeah, maybe like this is where you would like check Twitter, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, a very long and very earnest uh, number. Yeah. In, it's a it's musical fine. number, uh, Blue Shadows. Uh, they're they're sitting around the campfire. They're they're cooking up some bats, <laughs> and they uh, and they sing Blue Shadows, which is just this little cowboy uh, cowboy lullaby tune. It's all 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 the music in this movie is by Randy Newman. 
Um, and then, like, for no reason whatsoever, all the animals, like, start walking up and dancing. And it's, like, live animals. And it's, like, the owl <laughs> bobbing his head in time to the music and stuff. And then the horses start singing the bass line. Yeah, it's very weird and interesting. Very weird. This is, someone was high. And then, you know, at the end, they're just, they say goodnight to each other. Good night, Lucky. Good night, Lucky. Good night, Dusty. Good night, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. And then the turtle says, good night, Ned. <laughs> yeah, everybody, not me, though, was stoned. And uh, it it's fine. I feel like that is a scene they could have absolutely cut. Because then we get to a weird part where we, um, they have to, okay, this isn't related to, like, any kind of Mexican folklore at all. But they have to go to a singing bush, and there will be an invisible swordsman who can help them beat el wapo yeah so it came out of nowhere so um we haven't established before this scene that magic exists in this world <laughs> right. up until the 60 minute mark of this movie you think oh this is a movie set in 1910s hollywood in mexico the world that i grew up in but it's not it's not because now there's a singing bush. So there's a bush, and it's just singing a bunch of songs. It's Randy Newman's voice sped up. Uh, oh, I it sounded like Cloris Leachman a little bit. That's what Randy Newman sounds like when you speed him up. He sounds like <laughs> Cloris Leachman. <laughs> she rest in rest peace. peace. Loved you in Raising Hope. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, so there's just, so it's the, and it's singing bush singing like coming around the mountain when she comes, like folk songs. Yeah. And uh, so they do their secret chant. And they they each have to do a chant and fire their pistol once into the air. So Steve Martin does his chant, fires his pistol once into the air. Martin Short does his chant, fires his pistol once into the air. Chevy Chase does his chant, hold his, holds his pistol out to the side, fires it out to the side here. Ugh, and the outline of an invisible man hits the ground. And Steve Martin... It was, it's a good bit. It is actually pretty funny. And Steve Martin says, well, great job. You killed the invisible swordsman. How are we going to beat El Wapo now? It, now they have to use their brains. <laughs> so that comes out of nowhere. And I think it works. But it, it works. comes out of nowhere. Yeah, I think, you know, after a long night of writing the first draft, they were like, <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> oh, God. Anyways, so... Uh, so there, there's the this. So they see the German plane, basically, is what happens. And there is, oh, that's going to El Guapo's place. We'll just follow the plane. So then we cut to El Guapo's place, where Carmen is being held captive. Uh, yes, and it's not as bleak as we think, because it's actually El Guapo's birthday. It's his birthday, and he's going to marry Carmen for his gift, right? Is what's going to happen. And the woman come the one of El Wapos, one of the women at the compound comes in to talk through the wedding night with Carmen. Yeah, she's like, "Hey, um, so do you know what foreplay is?" And Carmen's like, "No." She's like, "Good, El Wapo doesn't either." Yeah. So zing. Uh, other other scene that you know I think maybe goes a little long is the plethora of pinatas gag. Yeah, they love alliteration. <laughs> They, he wants to know how many piñatas they have for his birthday. And he's like, could you say we had a plethora of piñatas? Yeah. 
I remember distinctly watching this movie on the bus on the uh, 2006, 2007 uh, tour uh, of the Notre Dame Folk Choir, uh, of which... Of Is this where you had the uh, Adidas suits? No, that the Adidas suits were from the marching band. I was in the marching band oh. and the folk choir. Uh, to, oh, uh, for I, I was only in folk choir for like three semesters. It uh, mm, only it, three. It wasn't for me. Uh, so, <laughs> the, <laughs> but I remember I remember watching this movie on the bus when we were on tour, uh, and uh, and then us saying plethora of pinatas to each other a whole bunch um, <laughs> for the rest of the tour, uh, and it doesn't matter like what accent we set it in or whatever uh wow or, okay or how many people uh in the folk choir were just you know white midwestern dudes like me uh it doesn't matter because we all have pre-woke periods and that's yeah. okay yeah that was... we also don't say woke tony <laughs> oh do we not say that anymore no it's a whole thing fuck okay we all have periods before the marble of racism dropped <laughs> <laughs> oh so, I'm clapping for that one. Yeah, well done. Ring, ring, ring. It's the callback of the week, and so, <laughs> so yeah. So, so we also get a little glimpse into uh, Mexican rape culture. <laughs> <laughs> because, because El Wapo says. Uh, is my bride ready, my present? Right. And El Jefe is like, no, she doesn't want to marry you. Why don't you just take her? And El Wapo is like, no, like you can't, you can't just take a woman. You just have to treat her so great that she'll open her flower for you. And then El Jefe is like, oh, okay, so how do you do that? And he's like, well, either she marries me or I'll kill her. <laughs> and that is like a bit. Yeah, you know, it's a laugh line. It's um, a laugh line. I, it's very sad. I do love that he gets a sweater for his birthday. Oh, yes. I love that. That is something that in my family, when you're opening a gift, everyone's like, what do you think it is? And then you have to say, it's a sweater. Yeah. Because uh, so, <laughs> of this movie. So, uh so El Guapo gets a, a sweater from his men. The German uh, mercenaries show up and they give El Guapo a big um, shipment of guns. Um, and then the amigos get there and they have to sneak in without being noticed. See a guard on the wall and Chevy Chase is like, oh, I can distract him. I can throw this rock. And Steve Martin and Martin Shore are both like, that's great. Why don't you throw it over there? It'll make a lot of noise. He'll look over there and Chevy just throws it at the guard's head. <laughs> he falls. Knocks him out. That's uh, great. So that's great. Uh, things go awry a little quickly because Chevy tries to swing in and accidentally swings into across the entire courtyard into Carmen's bedroom. Um, yes. Martin Short tries to swing in and gets stuck in a pinata, so he's just <laughs> suspended above uh, the courtyard and by his spurs. Yes. And Steve Martin gets captured and taken to uh, a jail cell. Yes, and this is where it feels a little long. Yes. It, it does go oh, on for quite a long time. We needed as much time of Steve Martin trying to get out of the jail cell with a little chain and pulley apparatus. No, I, yeah, that could have been, but it's, it was really funny to see uh, Chevy Chase fly into her bedroom and then into Straight a, an into armoire. The yeah. Into like an armoire, and then the guard being like, what was that noise? And Carmen being like, I don't know. <laughs> and 
and then she opens it and he's scared because she opens the door. Very, very funny. Eventually, he, uh, they both sneak out and he, the guard is asleep. He, he wants love to knock him out. I love this scene. And he can't, he's so, he's, he closes his eyes. So he doesn't want to actually do it. And then Carmen just takes the gun out of his hand and, and pistol whips the guy and he passes out. He's supposed to hit him with the butt of his gun. He has to like cover his eyes and he's bringing it down in slow motion. I love that. He couldn't do it. And uh, they're interesting long reaction shots from Chevy Chase here. Like, I don't know if that was like the best options they had. <laughs> In the dailies, because, like, she was like, that's a good plan. And then they're like, four seconds pass. And he's like, thank you. And then they run out. It's very weird. Yeah. A lot of weird directing choices there, but. Yeah, it's really, you're really there for the throwaway lines. Um, Yeah. So, uh, Chevy and Steve, Steve Martin eventually breaks out of his jail cell. Chevy Chase escapes with Carmen. They both uh, uh, get caught. Um, Chevy Chase tries to blend in as one of El Guapo's men. As the only fucking gringo for like <laughs> hundreds of miles um, and uh, has to give a toast to El Guapo <laughs> on his birthday about how they raped the horses and rode the women, uh, which is also a Blazing Saddles joke, I think. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, and uh, so anyways, uh, they all... Um, so, so Chevy Chase gets captured. Steve Martin's still sneaking around. Uh, he yells a really good line to El Guapo, which is, don't hurt Carmen or I'll fill you so full of lead you'll be using your dick for a pencil. <laughs> and El Guapo's like, I don't get it. <laughs> uh, and he says, our amigos falling from the sky. And then Martin Short breaks free of his pinata and lands <laughs> on the ground. Uh, yeah, but then we have a an interesting moment because the Germans are there, and right when they're about to kill the three amigos after they're captured, the Germans like, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's that's Ned Niederlander. Yeah, that's three amigos. I love this guy. Yeah. these guys are so funny. They're great movie stars, and and he's like, I wanted to be a fast marksman because of Ned Niederlander. Yeah, so Ned's Ned's uh, shtick in the Three Amigos movies is he's the trick shot. He, mm-hmm. he does all the fancy gunplay, um, and the German is so excited to meet him, and then he's like, but then I learned about movie magic and trick photography, and I realized you were a fraud. Ah, 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 German man. <laughs> Martin Short does all his stunts. The, he can really do it all. He's the Jackie Chan of his era, and so <laughs> he... Uh, so they have a they have a duel basically. We're like we're gonna shoot at each. And first of all, Martin Short's proposal. And again, this is another instance of a hilarious throwaway line where Martin Short's like, "Oh, we can find out if I'm actually that fast. That's great. Does anyone here have a watch, preferably with a second hand?" And one of one of Guapo's men is like, "I have a stopwatch." <laughs> really, really good, really great. And uh, but. Ned is a little intimidated because it's a real, this is not a movie duel. This is a real duel. With real bullets, and one of them is going to die. Right. Uh, very intense. But it ends up being the other guy because it turns out Ned actually is that fast. Yeah, he is very fast. And uh, they escape. Yeah, they escape. They take Carmen away. They Carmen. And they go back to Santa Poco. They go back to Santa Poco. Now, of course, El Guapo is chasing after them. Right, <laughs> of course. And he's just going to burn the village down again. Uh <sighs> So it's 
it's a huge problem. Uh, and so they get back to town of Poco and they're like, what are we going to do? And so Martin Short, again, he's, he's the starry eyed. He's the moral one. He's like, we can harness the good that's in this town. What are you guys great at? And everybody sewing. Everybody just kind of thinks for a second and somebody yells out, we can sew. Oh, good. But then. But this is actually a great idea. Steve Martin gets an idea. He's like, do you remember our old movie, Amigos, Amigos, Amigos? (laughs) And so the whole town rallies together because as one needs to do with a bully, you got to stand up for it, for yourself. Yes. And so they all start sewing. Sew like the wind. (laughs) <laughs> so like the wind. Very funny because they're showing these very close shots of them sewing on nothing. It's just it's just a sewing machine on fabric, like nothing is happening on it. Mm-hmm. But there's just like twenty shots of that. Yeah. So we don't know what they're sewing yet, but El Guapo finally and his men finally show up to the village, and there's a massive gunfire. I don't know how everyone in Santa Pogo got guns. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that either. Maybe they all had it and they were just like, had a limited amount of bullets. They didn't want to use them. I don't know. I it just, I, my nightmare is I'm going to record one of those YouTube videos that's like, here's everything wrong with three amigos. <laughs> Please don't do that. I won't. Um, okay. But anyways, massive gunfight where the three amigos are just popping up everywhere. They're they're moving so fucking fast. They're basically I mean, they're basically like disapparating, right? To use yeah. to use a term from our favorite author JK Rowling. Uh they're basically disapparating and, and just they've completely surrounded El Guapo and they end up uh shooting him, uh mortally wounding him. And yeah. then on his birthday. On his birthday and then all the village comes out and they were all dressed like the amigos. Yes, in like a like a B team version of their costume. Yes, but like still, they're all in those horribly offensive costumes. <laughs> Was it a brilliant plan? No. Was it a good way to resolve the storyline in ten minutes? Yes. Totally. So. Totally. It was. It's a great. It's a great shootout scene. Yes. Because you you do see only Chevy Chase and Martin Short and Steve Martin shooting. But you discover that it was actually the whole village. So that was a little bit of movie magic. A there. whole village banding together, right? And it's movie magic that saves them. That's the point. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So they all come out, and El Wapo goes, "You know what? That was a pretty good joke. Now come over here. I'm gonna tell you a joke." <laughs> Is it Chevy? Chevy leans in. It's Steve Martin. It's Steve Martin, and El Wapo just shoots him in the leg. <laughs> And then we never talk about it again. Every time he gets hurt, he just heals miraculously. Um, And so he shoots Steve Martin. He's like, that was a good joke, too. And then immediately dies. Super funny. And, you know, then it's time to wrap up. It's, we're at the end of the movie. We're at the end of the and movie. So. These guys, they're they're saying goodbye to the village, and everybody's really sad because they're going to miss the three amigos. They all grew to love them. These little doofuses. Yeah. So Carmen comes and she gives she gives a big passionate kiss to Steve Martin, the woman <laughs> that um, that was flirting with Chevy Chase earlier. She comes out. She gives a big passionate kiss to Chevy Chase, and obviously we didn't see anyone flirt with Martin Short. There's probably probably no one for him. Uh, except, except this unbelievably hot lady. (laughs) (laughs) Titties out. Titties out. Comes out, like, like, smooches Martin Short, leg around him, like, and both Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, like, where the the hell did she come from? (laughs) Uh, it's also really funny that when Carmen comes to kiss Steve Martin, he's like, 
I'll come back and to see you. And she's like, why? <laughs> really great. So they offer, they actually do get the money together to pay the three amigos. But just like in their films, Martin Short says, no, our reward is that justice has been done. So great. He throws the money back and they ride away into the sunset. And that's it. That's the end. That's it. And the last note I wrote down is, if this was on TV, I'd watch it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's better than if Hitch was on. Yes, I would agree. I would watch this over Hitch. Okay, yeah, so yeah, now yeah. let's rank it uh, against all 54 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I definitely think it's better than Garden State. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, here here's a better way to uh, compare it. So we would say, just comparing it to Saturday Night Live films, we would say it's definitely better than It's Pat and Stuart Saves His Family, right? I would say it's mm-hmm. better than Coneheads. Would we say this is better than something like Superstar or Night at the Roxbury? Uh, I would say it's better than Night at the Roxbury, not as good as Superstar. So that's exactly where we're going to rank it, folks. <laughs> between, <laughs> For me personally. Between those two films. Um I would, I would maybe watch Night at the Roxbury before I watch this. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so, well, I mean, the soundtrack is a lot better, but I think there's the nostalgia factor for me. Yes. Because this movie's been a part of my life for my whole life. For a while. So, yeah. So Because when it was me and I was in the sky. <laughs> so, <clears throat> with that in mind, let's talk about someone whose career is now in the sky. Uh, <laughs> and that uh, that is... Uh, you know, it's our favorite segment, folks. Uh, have these films successfully launched SNL cast members into mainstream film success? We examine in our segment. Good for them. And uh, here we're going to talk about Cornelius Crane Chase, a.k.a. Chevy Chase. Um, now, obviously, this man had already achieved mainstream film success by the time Three Amigos came out, and he was also one of the inaugural cast members of Saturday Night Live. In fact, the very first anchor of Weekend Update um, with classic recurring bits like Generalissimo Francisco Franco is still dead uh, and and, uh, some (laughs) other staples like that. Uh, Star of runaway uh, successes like Caddyshack, Foul Play, and of course the National Lampoon Vacation Series. Um, And then things kind of started to go south around the time he got addicted to pain medication. Um, So, which he got addicted to, uh, as he explains it, because he did so many pratfalls on Saturday Night Live. And he did do so many pratfalls on Saturday Night Live. Most famously, um, he was the first presidential impersonator on Saturday Night Live. He did Gerald Ford, which is funny because he looks nothing like Gerald Ford. (laughs) And made no effort to look or sound like Gerald Ford. But Gerald Ford, who was a tremendous athlete and former football player at Michigan, uh, tripped once coming down from Air Force One. So Chevy Chase's Gerald Ford was, what if he fell down all the time? And it was actually pretty funny. (laughs) Wow. Uh, was this, um, did he, had he done Spies Like Us by then? uh, Because that was also a physical role. Spies? I'm gonna look up when Spies Like Us came out. Because that was a Danny Aykroyd movie, too. It might have been right after this. Let me see. Spies, no, Spies Like Us was 85. It was right before oh, this. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but basically, after Three Amigos, he uh, wasn't in any successful films for about 10 years. Uh, and then he did Oof. 
uh, Man of the House with Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah, that movie fucking rules, man. Uh, and then he did. We gotta do that for the pod. Didn't work again. We probably will do it for the pod. <laughs> um, folks, we're starting Outline Season 5, and uh, we may have settled on a theme, and it, again, could kill me. Um, so, uh, so Man of the House, and then he didn't work again for a while. He did host the Oscars in 87 and 88. Uh, He had a late night talk show on Fox, which famously lasted for five whole weeks. Mm. Um, And uh, and he also was uh, famously on a a 2010s comedy on NBC called Community, uh, which, of course, is is a a very, very funny uh, show. Uh, written by a very, very funny writer named Dan Harmon, who, like Chevy Chase, was somebody that nobody liked working with. (laughs) Um, Because Chevy Chase, as it turns out, is a huge asshole uh, and was banned from Saturday Night Live because one time when he hosted, he uh, belittled all the female writers and hit Sherry O'Terry. Ooh. uh, And so that brings me to the real part of Chevy Chase's career that I want to focus on, which is 2002, when he was the subject of the Friars Club roast of Chevy Chase. Um, You remember roasts on Comedy Central? Oh, yeah. So they did one of Chevy Chase in 2002. Paul Schaefer was the host. Um, And it led to a write-up in Slate titled, The Meanest Roast, (laughs) Chevy (laughs) Chase Humiliated Again. Uh, where the writer, uh, the writer, pardon me, uh, wrote, quote, uh, While Chase sat in a red chair, stage left, a motley slate of comics took the podium to tell him he was washed up and it, he had squandered his whatever, his talent, by simultaneously overestimating himself and by taking too many back pills, as Al Franken put it. Uh, Greg Giraldo, one of the younger comics, and many of the comics were young because another recurring gag was that no one famous bothered to show up, uh, (laughs) pointed to Chase as living proof you could actually snort the funniness right out of yourself. Oh Uh, my god! Paul Schaefer himself mused, you made us laugh so much and then inexplicably stopped in about 1978. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the abrasive insult comic Lisa Lampanelli flaunted her libido and her weight, belting out sailor talk like, That guy's so gay, my ass hurts. Uh, Richard Belzer, who, Richard Belzer's on, like, fucking Law & Order SVU. Like, Richard Belzer summed things up with his punchline, The only time Chevy Chase has a funny bone in his body is when I fuck him in the ass. Uh, yeah, uh, and then the writer goes on, geez, I had been ready to laugh, but I eased off as Chase and Sunglasses brooked the insults, and a full, tragic portrait of the enigmatic wastrel emerged, arrogant young comic, former addict, maker of failed family movies, the shards of Chase's persona almost seemed too negligible to put together, much less take apart again. But then I began to wonder if there were any way, in light of the fact that so many people now openly revile him, to admire Chevy Chase. Again, if for no reason, then that someone ought to. And once again, 12 years later, he was fired from community for saying the N-word on set. (laughs) God. It's really upsetting because he is such a big part of comedy history. Yes, and clearly possesses some level of talent. He's incredibly funny in a lot of stuff. Yeah, and, not and everything, but in a lot of stuff. But the arrogance worked for a lot of things. For a lot of the characters that he played, like, I don't know if you've seen Funny Farm, one of the best. Love him in the and if, vacation if movies. If you're host of Weekend Update, I think it works. 
Yeah, for sure. He's got a, he had, I guess, a, like a deadpan that was kind of untouchable at the time. Mm-hmm. There weren't a lot of people who could do the straight man the way that he could. But also with a certain level of silliness and, and commitment to the comedy. Very it, it, unparalleled at the time. Yeah. And then when he did Community, it was really cool to see that he was back, that he didn't really have that same kind of prowess yeah. that I remember. Well, and th- that's what's so interesting, because I don't, I don't know if you remember right when Community started, and it was like 09 or 10, and, and uh-huh. like all of the marketing for the show was like, this is the return of Chevy Chase. Like, that was the yeah. And what's fun, and Community is one of these shows we're going to look back on and be like, holy shit, all those people were in that show at the same time, because, like, yeah. you know, he was in there, and he just got completely blown out by, like, all these... By Donald Glover and yeah. Allison Brie and Gillian Jacobs and yeah. okay, Joel McHale. Joel McHale, who's like a really fucking good comedic actor, as it turns out. Like and and so you know, it was just nuts to see that. Um, so yeah, yeah, because Joel McHale had a lot to prove because he was the host of The Soup. Yes. So people were like, he's not an actor; he's just like a comedian. Yeah, forgetting that and, number one, yeah. The Soup was fucking hilarious. It was great, <laughs> and it, he did that shit live yes. with dyslexia. Yeah. <laughs> like that's incredible. He has a, a interview with Conan that just came out uh, on Monday. Yeah. So I guess two weeks ago for people listening, if they're <laughs> listening on time. But uh, yeah, like it, it's very interesting to see the the way that it was marketed the way that the ensemble was kind of centered around Chevy Chase in the first couple of seasons and then everything falling apart because he messed it up he messed up that's what's so nuts and I, like I'm, like Dan Harmon who I, I think is brilliant as a writer but he got it, like he got fired from Community too because he was too much of an asshole and nobody could work with him and like, and it's not the first time that's happened to him. Sarah, he he has a creator credit on the Sarah Silverman program, and Sarah Silverman fired him after episode one because she's like, I can't deal with this fucking guy. Are right you now. serious? Yes. I had no idea. Yeah. Does it? I don't. I mean, as somebody who like hasn't quote unquote broken out yet or whatever, like I've had a certain level of success and I feel great about. I've seen it, you on Conan. I've seen you on Conan. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, and it, it's very exciting. But I don't. I'm not like I was fucking on Conan. I'm fucking amazing, mm-hmm. and fuck all of you. Like I don't understand people who have that kind of. But I mean, I don't know what that level of success is like. Yeah. So I don't know if you know you're either immune to it. Because you were raised right, or you're just Chevy Chase and you just don't give a shit. But Chevy Chase also, like, I don't want to go too into this. He comes from a lot of money, like. Oh, say no more. Yeah, like again, the man's the man's Christian name is Cornelius Crane Chase. Like he he came from a very wealthy family uh, on the East Coast, and like I don't think has ever wanted for anything. And okay, perhaps that has contributed to. Uh, his persona that he projected, you know, when he was doing sketch comedy and also to the way that he treated the people around him. Right. Okay. Well, there is a, um, there was a profile on him in some sort of very high, I think it was New York Times Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of years ago where they painted him out to be very sad. He was just like a sad man. You know, and that's interesting. I mean, we could talk about Chevy Chase all day. Maybe we will, but like... (laughs) <laughs> um, Chuck Klosterman, which I know everybody's like rolling their eyes uh, at me for bringing him up, but he wrote an essay once on Chevy Chase that was really interesting. That was like, if you think about like every comedian, you think about like 
Bill Murray, Jim Carrey, Eddie Murphy. Um, you think about like every like mainstream comedic actor that has been in a movie that we've covered, right? Right. Like, yeah. Will Ferrell's in there too. Like um, every comedian has a moment where they're like, "Now I want people to take me seriously." Like, right. that's where Bill Murray does Lost in Translation and Jim Carrey does Eternal Sunshine. Like, they're like, this This is like, I want everybody to, to realize I can also be serious. And in his film career, Chevy Chase never did that. Mm. Did he do not do it by choice or because he kept bombing? I don't know. Um, he obviously had a lot of success at the box office as a comedian. Um, he is, uh, it, it, Chuck Closerman pointed out, this out too, out of like all the like first five years cast of SNL, he's the one that would be considered most conventionally handsome. Like yeah, he's the one that like has like the, the most normal movie star face. Um, and yeah, that makes sense. It just never, um, just, it like, it seems like he never wanted to do that. Yeah. And until, I guess... until I guess this, uh, New York Times interview. Yeah, super, he, he was kind of painting himself out to be, like, somebody to, like, to be sympathetic towards, because he's been through so much, mm. but at the same time, it's like, you were the maker of all your problems, bro. Yes. It is, it is difficult. I mean, obviously, like, I don't, um, I'm not gonna say, like, addiction is his fault. No, 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 not at all. But, like, being an asshole, that is your choice. Getting banned from a show, getting fired from community, like, those, uh, those are things it's difficult to feel sympathy for him, because he, he definitely did it to himself. Um, sorry, the one other fun fact, um, that I wanted to, uh, bring up here is when he was in college, he had two friends, um, called, uh, named, uh, Walter Becker and Donald Fagan, and they played in a band together. He, uh, Chevy Chase is a drummer, and he actually has perfect pitch, which is weird. Um, but, uh, he, uh, Walter Becker and Donald Fagan, so they played in a band together in college, and it didn't go anywhere, um, and then Walter Becker and Donald Fagan later became Steely Dan. What? Yeah. I didn't see that coming because I don't know what Steely Dan's members' names are. Yeah. So uh, they are the, the two uh, permanent members of Steely Dan, uh, who, of course, wow. became, you know, some of the most successful rock musicians of the 70s. Um, so uh, that's a... It's just, interesting. Just a fun that fact. What? I wonder... I wonder why he didn't make it into the mm-hmm. band. Mm-hmm. So Chevy Chase for not being in Steely Dan, good for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nadia, I, I would be interested to hear if Common Sense Media had any reviews of this film. I was really surprised that there were, and there were a lot more kid reviews than parent reviews, which I find to be the case with a lot of our SNL movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I, interestingly, the the comedy juggernaut season had way more parent reviews than kid reviews on average but the opposite was true here so i had a lot a lot to weed through as far as what the kids thought um the parents for this movie were uh concerned (laughs) by some of the innuendo there was one parent of an 11 year old that wrote a review that i found very funny and it was says i made the choice to watch this movie with my 11 year old because of this site It said that it was age-appropriate for my child. Although we both enjoyed the movie, I was a bit put off at one conversation that took place mentioning, do you know what foreplay is? Mm -hmm. And 
the response was no, then the other character replies, then don't worry about it because neither does he. This made my 11-year-old curious to the meaning of the word foreplay and made for an uncomfortable conversation. (laughs) I love this little glimpse into parenting this one child. (laughs) And it's it's terrifying because, like... One of, the, one of the nice things about being a parent is you can, uh, you know, uh, make your kid like all the same things you like. <laughs> um, right. And so, you know, with uh, with the meatball, like, we don't really watch a lot of TV with the meatball. And honestly, me and Stacy don't watch a lot of TV because we're parents who are too fucking busy. We can watch, like, Ted Lasso once a week and that's it. Uh, right. And it's it's like at some point, we're going to watch the stupid comedy shit that I own on DVD together. Like, it's it's going to yeah. happen because she's going right. to discover it and she's going to be like, Daddy, what's this? And I'm going to be like, well, this is called Scott Pilgrim versus the World and it's a very <laughs> important movie to me. <laughs> I love that movie. This is the soundtrack on vinyl, yeah. which I also have. <laughs> so, uh, and you have to understand, Meatball, that, uh, that you know, Allison Pill and Brie Larson and Jason Schwartzman and fucking Superman are all in the same movie. Yeah, and it's really, really good. Yeah, it's really good. And I'm like, Edgar Wright is a visionary meatball. He's doing stuff nobody else is even trying to do. And and you know, but but that's going to lead to conversations with like why like there's going to be awkward like why did that person say foreplay conversations and then i gotta explain what foreplay is which oh boy i am not the person to do that you can do it i'll you gotta listen to the vicious cycle podcast and i think that that'll help you that's true they've already told me i'm not their their target audience (laughs) (laughs) i think you'd still benefit from it no but it is it it is interesting to think about because i watched this as a kid and i didn't know what it was and i never thought to ask Mm -hmm. so it's great that this child was like being curious well i kind of got yeah i mean i would get to a point with my parents where i like knew oh that's something they don't want to talk to me about right (laughs) Right. Or I, I thought, I just thought something was wrong with me that I didn't know. But that's my own issues. Um, but there was one other review from a 17-year-old that I thought was very cute. So I'm going to share it with you now. And they wrote, at the beginning, I laughed. Not just because the beginning was actually humorous, but because it is so old. Some old movies have content that is just so ridiculous. This was a decent film with its humor, action, and fun characters, but there were some context or some content that isn't suitable for a much younger audience, such as the jokes about the male plane and some of the characters' interactions with Carmen, along with some squaring. Some swearing, excuse me. Overall, not a bad movie. Thinking about a teenager watching this from the 80s, I think we're further away from the 80s than we were... Well, this movie came out... In fact, we were celebrating the 35th anniversary of this film this year uh so that sucks (laughs) so that's time is a real bitch truly yeah uh just to think about like a teenage like an 11 year old and a 17 year old watching this it must seem ancient yeah yeah it's kind of fucked up thinking of all the movies and like tv shows that we have watched in our lifetime puts this obviously in like a little time capsule of its own. But to think about being that young and being like, I'm going to watch The Three Amigos. Yeah. And not knowing a bunch of other stuff. It's very interesting well, to guess, think about. You know, because Steve Martin's still around, right? And he's, yeah. I mean, he's like writing books now and stuff. He's not like 
doing movies as much, but like, yeah, but, but like, he you know is in a show is. with Selena Gomez. Right. Oh yeah, I guess he is doing a fucking yeah. And that's the other thing is it's like Chevy Chase is such an asshole that Steve Martin and Martin Short were like, let's do a show together, but instead of Chevy, we're gonna get Wizards of Waverly Place over here. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting because they're obviously trying to go for the younger crowd with her in it. Yeah, I mean, and then then the, this whole new generation is going to get introduced to these comedy legends, and I'm watching it like, why is Selena Gomez here? Yeah, it is interesting. <laughs> I mean, and it's like I don't know if you've read the premise of the show, but it actually sounds like something I kind of want to watch. But... I'm I'm very <laughs> excited to watch it. Um, so uh, so yeah. In any event, yeah, I think there are some people that are like, if you're a kid and you grow up with a comedy nerd like fan, and that's the other is you know, I would listen to old comedy albums. My parents would get me Bob Newhart albums and like. Bill, oh, that's cute. And Bill Cosby albums, uh, and and like and yeah. Steve Martin albums, and so like yeah. I like, mean, my family, my dad is a huge Chevy Chase fan. Now right. that I'm thinking about it, it's like any time Chevy Chase was in something, we would watch it. Right. So yeah. like I could see myself. I don't know what the equivalent is for me, but like I could see myself like introducing my daughter to John Mulaney's albums at some right. point, and being like, yeah. this one's called New in Town. Uh, and then she'd be like, oh, you're going to have to explain this to me. And I'm like, ooh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then you're going to have to explain the uh, uh, the Radio City one to him and be like, he won an Emmy. <laughs> and she's going to be like, what the fuck? I don't care. I'm 12. And I'll be like, you you watch your mouth, young lady. Uh, and so... <laughs> So, uh, so I think an interesting kind of thought in terms of how uh, we pass comedy on uh, through the generations. Um, yeah, it this went a direction I didn't expect it to go. Yeah. which is we were nostalgic and we reflected, and also it was fine. And <laughs> in many ways, we're continuing this conversation in order to just put off for as long as we can recording next week's episode <laughs> which will it. be the season finale uh so with that folks thank you so much for listening um next week we will be covering the most cursed wretched awful era in snl history which is of course the present day uh until then <laughs> uh probably should have facebook twitter and instagram uh nos vemos la semana que viene <gasps> adios amigos that was great. Google Translate great. open in another tab. My little buttercup has the sweetest smile. Dear little buttercup, won't you stay a while? Come with me where moonbeams paint the sky. And you and I might linger in the sweet by and by. Buttercup, won't you stay a while?